This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Good morning, Liz, and happy Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, today we, we've got a really timely show. You, um, a lot of people don't know this, but the University of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi School of Law have been leaders in air and space law for decades. And so we are fortunate to have an outstanding master's of law program. It's an LLM program uh, in air and space law. And that that program in the Center for Air and Space Law is flourishing under the direction of my colleagues, Professor Michelle Hanlon and Professor Charles Stotler. And Charles Stotler has been on the show uh, several times as well. But today we're thrilled to welcome back to the show Professor Michelle Hanlon. Good morning, Professor Hanlon. Uh, would you please tell us a little bit about your background and your work? Sure. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. I just, um, for anybody who's into space, uh, you'll notice that NASA is getting really hokey with their uh, Valentine's Day greetings. So they're saying things like, you know, I hope you always share my orbit um, and stuff like that. So um, an awesome day to share the love. Um, yeah, thank you for having me again. My name is Michelle Hanlon. I am a space lawyer. Um, I teach both aviation and space law here to include also drone law here at the University of Mississippi. We're really proud of the program here and we're really proud of all the things we're hoping to um, bring into Mississippi. We've been working with the with the state and with Mississippi State. Yep, those those guys over there at Mississippi State um, on efforts to you know really make Mississippi uh, a state of excellence in, in drones and in space because a lot of people People forget um, the incredible and invaluable role Mississippi has played in space because we don't get to the moon unless those Saturn V rockets go through Stennis. Um, and, and we really want to celebrate that and, uh, and bring, bring more space back to the state. So, um, yeah, I just I uh, consider myself a space lawyer and a space advocate um, and, and also uh, aviation and drones. Well, you know, I remember not too long ago, I, I uh, um, was at a different law school. And we had a, a space law grant and people kind of laughed at that and said, well, what does that mean? Who owns the moon or whatever? And now I think people understand the importance of space law. And and you're the president and co-founder for uh, for All Moon Kind. Um, would you tell us a little bit about that organization and its goals? Absolutely. So we're a nonprofit organization and we're the only organization in the world that's committed to protecting uh, cultural heritage in outer space. So, wanna, you know, this is a big weekend, right? We had the Super Bowl yesterday, a lot of big Super Bowl ads. And one of the ads was for Xfinity. And in that ad, they show, you know, it's a virtual game, um, but they, they people are landing virtually on the uh, Apollo 11 lunar landing site. And it really made me sad because those sites really aren't protected. And even though this was a simulation in a game, the fact is that can happen in real life. And think about how tragic it would be if the very first footprints that any human being ever made that were not on this earth were erased by a bunch of, you know, 
of old, young, who cares where they're from, entrepreneurs who just think, hey, I'm on the moon. How cool is this? Um, It's really important to protect our heritage in outer space. It's really important to recognize that we have heritage in outer space, that we've been in space. And it's really of the utmost importance is the universal aspect of that. And I, and I say that with a, with a, a nod and a wink. Um, but the fact is, you know, the United States taxpayer, sure, we paid for the Apollo missions, but humanity doesn't get to the moon without all of human history. And what I, I've been doing some, uh, you know, teaching here, um, U.S. space law, and looking at the pictures of when the Apollo astronauts, uh, Apollo 11 astronauts did a world tour they were massively um, celebrated all around the world because it was an incredible human achievement. And it's that kind of humanity, that coming togetherness that we need that, that uh, events like the uh, earthquake in Turkey and Syria remind us that we're all in this together. Well, that's such an important point. And you and I were talking before in the show about, about the role of international law and, and all of this, because the United States could pass a law that says, well, we're not going to we're not going to allow people on these heritage sites, but that won't stop um, China or Canada or Russia or any other country. So how, do, how does international law, law play a role in, in what you're doing for, for all mankind? So what I would like to remind people, and I'm sure you do it all the time, Richard, is, you know, the law is is made by people, not by sovereigns. And the law should always be about relationships between people. And so when we think about big international law and we think, you know, China and U.S. at loggerheads or, you know, Russia invading the Ukraine, um, we've removed ourselves so far from the law, it's a little frightening. Um, but but fundamentally, um, we need to recognize uh, what we what we can agree on. And what's what's been phenomenal so far um, in our short history on this planet is, you know, we're really mean to each other, but we have figured out a way to kind of uh, regulate our behaviors. So uh, there is sort of this universal understanding that genocide is evil and bad and and, uh, nations that commit genocide will not be, uh, you know, we might not go invade them. You know, there might not be an enforcement provision, um, but they will not be accepted into the embrace of the international community. And so that's what's really important about international law is it's setting up the framework for us to actually behave nicely, more nicely to each other. And um, again, you and I were talking about this a little bit below before the show. Um, ultimately, the goal would be to let the let that the national level go so that we can continue to relate to each other as humans so that show that we've progressed far enough that we don't need national governments to regulate us, but we can just, you know, actually uh, enjoy each other. You know, uh, and this is uh, not um not part of the uh, our script that we were going to talk about today, but you know, you think about there are some like every once in a while you'll hear uh, China has made a claim to a certain part of the moon, or you know, and and so, are, how do I mean? How do we prevent that from happening as as a species? Because really, I think you know we, we don't want to take our earthbound problems into space with us. So how, you know, how can that? What? How can law help with that? 
And that's, that is exactly the kind of thing we're struggling with today. And we actually have a law that says you cannot, a nation can't claim territory in outer space. So fundamentally, it would be illegal for, for China to do that or for the U.S. to do that. Both China and the U.S. have planted flags on the moon, but they don't, they were not claims of territory. They were just sort of, you know, humans are so good at like, oh, I was here. It's graffiti, right? It's just basically graffiti. Um, but the international law has created these, these recognizable norms. And so, sure, China could go and claim the moon um, and it would be illegal. What, what on earth would we do? Well, we would talk, we would be back on earth and they would they would get maligned or the, if the U.S. did it, same thing. Um, you know, this is not something that is acceptable behavior um, in the structure we have created for ourselves. And that those norms, even though people always say, how can you enforce it? Those are really, really important because people want to be thought of well. You know, countries want to have a good reputation um, and and having laws and regulations help us define what a good reputation is. And, I, and one last thing that before we will get to our topic of drones and UAPs, which is really obviously uh, very current. Uh, and we know that uh, even as current as this past weekend. But um, but, uh, you know, what about resources? What about natural resources on the moon? Now we're finding, you know, they're all different kinds of resources on the moon. We know that as we start uh, going out to asteroids, as we've already landed on an asteroid, uh, and when we start sending people and, and, uh, and machines to other planets, who owns those resources on those planets? So this is, and, and this is really a really important point. I'm glad you brought up because one thing that I, I really want to convey to everybody is, you know, when we talk about those resources and we talk about space, who owns them? We all own them. You know, space is considered uh, by law, by an international treaty, it's considered the province of all humankind. Now, we don't really know what that means, but um, we do know that it means, hey, you, Richard, can go and build a, a spacecraft and go to an asteroid, um, and you can you have the right to be on that asteroid. And under U.S. law, um, you have the right to take any resources you want from that asteroid and then do it whatever you want with them, including sell them. Now, that is a, it's an interpretation of international law that um, 23 other nations have agreed to as well. And so we're, we're still, you know, learning about how, how we're going to use those resources and extract them and, and how we're going to uh, have ownership without property. Um, but the bottom line is, is this, this isn't some fantastic Star Trek 100,000 years from now kind of view, you know. Those resources are going to be vital uh, to help us here on Earth. Not so much that you're going to go and find a gold mine and bring gold back to Earth, but much more that we're going to be able to find ways to harness different kinds of elements. And we're going to learn new things that will help us uh, reduce our reliance on coal and other, you know, uh, climate uh, hurting uh, energy sources. And we're going to be able to move heavy industry off of Earth. I hope you go to an asteroid and you move a bunch of servers up there because server farms are heating up our atmosphere. Let's get them off the Earth and let's return the Earth to the pristine uh, uh, planet that it once was. Um, because one and another really important thing is we're not abandoning Earth when we go to space. We are celebrating Earth when we go to space because Earth will always be the, the destination wherever you live in the universe you will always want to come back to your mother earth because it is the most beautiful planet in the system i'll just say that that's a wonderful valentine to the planet earth (laughs) thank you so much we're so excited about today's show 
Send us your email questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing drones and unidentified aerial phenomena laws in Mississippi with our guest, co-director for the Center of Air and Space Law, Professor Michelle Hanlon. Oh, and I have a trivia question for her. We recently participated in a trivia contest, and I got it wrong, but I bet she can get it right. Where's the only place that the American flag is not raised and lowered? But if you want to pilot your drone in Mississippi, I'll tell you one law that you will need to know next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio on a special Valentine's Day. You are listening to MPB. I'm Kevin Farrell. Happy Valentine's Day. You know, we're trying something completely different, and I hope that you'll get involved. It's a one-day fundraising drive, but it's also a way for you to send a radio valentine to someone or something special in your life. It's simple. Make a gift, and we'll say your message of love on air. Here's how it works. You make a contribution today before 6 p.m. When you do, let us know who you'd like to wish a happy Valentine's Day to. We'll take that and read it on the air. And by the way, if you miss hearing it on the air, all the messages will be scrolling throughout the day at mpbonline.org slash radio. You can give a shout-out to a friend, a co-worker, a spouse, a partner, a dog, a cat, or maybe another family member. You do that by calling or texting the word GIVE to 888-372-4483. Or make your gift and your Valentine's Day dedication online at mpbonline.org. And we do have a number of them to share. Uh, This one says, To my Bonnie Kate, life with you keeps getting better and better. Love you from Davis. Happy Valentine's Day to Pap. Emily, Nate, Norman, Paul, Puff, and Rocketship from Libby. Hey, Jada, be safe out there driving around on this Valentine's Day, lover. Forever yours, David. Mommy, Daddy, and Libby love you, Catalina. Have a nice day, Bunny. Jonathan Jones. I love Crooked Creek Animal Hospital in Pilahatchee. Such a fantastic group of people working there. With love, Sarah McLean. If you'd like to hear your Valentine's Day dedication to that special person in your life read on the air, just make a contribution at any amount at mpbonline.org or call or text the word GIVE to 888-372-4483. This is in legal terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from our website inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. So folks in Mississippi, Senate Bill 2020, which was passed in 2015, according to this law, any person who looks through a window, hole or opening, or otherwise views by means of any instrumentality, including drones, into the interior of any area in which the occupant has reasonable expectation of privacy with the intent to invade the privacy of a person or persons inside and without the consent or knowledge of every person present shall be guilty of a felony. So no peeping tomming with the drones in Mississippi. This morning, we're talking about air and space law with our returning and very knowledgeable guest, Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director of the Center for Air and Space Law. 
And I went on a cruise, and they have trivia contests. Who knew that? You go on a cruise, and they have lots of trivia contests. And I feel so bad that I missed the question, where is the only American flag that is not raised and lowered? But Professor Hanlon, you know where it is, don't you? Absolutely. It's on the moon. And uh, um, just to build on that trivia question, um, they actually don't look like American flags anymore. Um, the, the, uh, the, the Apollo missions, they all planted a flag, um, but they were probably bleached by radiation. Of course, nobody's gone back to look yet, um, but they are probably all white um, if they're still standing at all. So uh, they are not raised and lowered, uh, but they are probably all white right now. Yeah, it's so, it's so fascinating. I think one of the things we worry about in terms of manned, uh, or I should say human uh, personed um, expeditions to other planets is, is radiate that very radiation that we're going to have to learn uh, to deal with for longer term. But, but let's talk about drones. Let's talk about uh, things in the lower uh, orbit uh, than, than space for right now. Um, and are, is there some there's some specific regulations and legislations related to drones that uh, are part of the initiatives the center is involved in right now? Absolutely. And first of all, uh, just apologies to everybody for all that legal gobbledygook. Right. You know, just uh, it, very easy to say, just don't be a peeping Tom with your drone. Don't be knowing your neighbors by looking in their windows with your drone. Um, the Yes. So drones are, you know, the way we look at it here um, at the center is we aviation is the, the background, the infrastructure of the entire world economy right now. Right. I mean, we have we are so uh, dependent on airlines uh, to bring cargo, to bring, you know, today. Uh, roses from South America, you know, bringing them here for Valentine's Day, things like that. Um, but we're really looking at drones as the next level of that infrastructure. Drones are going to provide really incredible delivery opportunities. Um, you know, the, what you're using right now to hopefully not peek in your neighbor's yard or in their neighbor's window, um, that you're using to just get a view of the beautiful state, you know, and some of the, the um, uh beauty, <laughs> sorry, um, you know, they are really going to be fundamental. We can use them to deliver um, organs for organ uh, donors, uh, transplants very quickly without having to worry about traffic. We can use them to inspect uh, uh, pipelines and infrastructure, dams, bridges, uh, where we don't, so we don't have to send people. We can send them into places where we're we think there is poisonous gas and not put people at risk. And so those are the things that drones can do right now. And so what we're working on here is trying to create what we call drone highways. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to be able to use your drone legally and responsibly, and also for you to be able to um, harness your drone for commercial purposes, whether that's you're going to be photographing somebody's wedding or whether it's you're going to use it for your real estate business or you're going to use it to inspect your construction site. Um, so we're working actually, again, as I mentioned before, closely with Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State is in a very unique position. It is a FAA drone of excellence, um, and it leads a consortium of 28 universities from around the world looking at how we can harness drones to better lives all around the globe. And the University of Mississippi recently joined their consortium. We're providing all of their legal and policy advice, um, and we're looking at things as as um, as varied as you know, using tiny little drones to uh, 
disinfect hospital rooms, right? Um, especially in COVID, you can understand. So the, you take drones the size of, of uh, um, beetles or, you know, large beetles, and, um, and just that will disinfect the room far faster than a person can. All the way to what we call EVTOLs, drone taxis. Um, imagine not having to drive from Oxford to Memphis uh, Airport instead of taking a drone. Um, this is something that can happen. Uh, an uncrewed, um, we say now, um, vehicle remotely piloted or piloted automatically uh, to get us from Oxford to the airport. You no know, getting in the car, grab your phone, grab your book, just sit back and enjoy the view. Uh, there are so many possibilities, and we're really excited to be able to harness those for Mississippi. And I am excited. Even uh, I don't know. I I, uh, I guess if you had a drone deliver your pizza, you don't have to worry about them tasting your food on on the way to your house, as I've heard with some of the horror stories with uh, uh, DoorDash. We have a phone call. Let's go to Dave in Memphis. Dave, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. We've got our guest, Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center of Air and Law Space Law and instructor of aviation and space law from the University of Mississippi School of Law as our guest. What's your question or comment? Well, I think it's a great uh, uh, great subject matter today, um, especially, and I'll, I'm not going to take too too long here, but I think some discussion about autonomous flight. Uh, I wrote a white paper at University of Tennessee many years ago on uh, that technology disrupting air transportation. And think of the, the hurdles, the political, sociological, and the technical hurdles of doing that. But I want to comment uh, and thank the uh, law school there at the University of Mississippi. My daughter graduated there four years ago, three, let's see, three or four years ago, virtually. But she was a benefit of, uh, she focused on aviation and space law, and it's helped her become very successful as an attorney up in the Washington, D.C. area. So thank you to the uh, law school representatives on the school, from the school that are on the air today for that. Thanks, Dave. Wow. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. I'd love to hear that. And, uh, and you know, we are so proud, again, to be the premier um, center for air and space law anywhere in, I say, in the world. Um, and we have just incredible opportunities. Uh, air and space law are growing fields, um, uh, whether you go to work in policy and law in Washington, or whether you stay here in Mississippi and help grow the aerospace industry here, um, we we can provide um, all of the background you need. And we also have a graduate certificate program, so you don't even need to be a lawyer, and you, you can learn all this fun stuff. Well, we hope maybe some of our people who are in the legislature uh, have maybe someone who's interested in space law will get a certificate and maybe some of our legislators might get a certificate. So what what about legislation specifically in Mississippi? I, you know, I, I read the thing about the Senate bill from uh, 2015 that was passed about kind of the, the, the peeping Tom. Is this how how do, how is Mississippi compared to the rest of the country or what's going on in Mississippi? So it's a what we have to remember about drones is um, they they fly. Um, so they're in our airspace and airspace is actually federally regulated. And so when we talk about state laws, we're talking about just thinking not about like when, when you go and you buy your drone and you want to uh 
photograph a wedding, you have to register with the Federal Aviation Administration. There's not a state registry. There's not a state uh, uh, process or opportunity. You have to go straight to the FAA because the FAA, their job is to make sure our airspace is safe. And right now what we're doing is working with the FAA and with the state legislatures to figure out how we can increase opportunities in that airspace while still keeping it safe. So, uh, so far, uh, a lot of states like Mississippi have, have reacted to problems of peeping toms and things like that. And so what we've said is not, uh, is, is basically just reminding people, we already have privacy laws. We have laws that say you can't be a peeping tom. Be a peeping tom. Um, but this, this just adds on just a reminder, you know, even though you're not in your drone, the fact that you're piloting your drone can still make you liable for those laws. You still have obligations and responsibilities. Um, what we're hoping to see in Mississippi, though, is is a little bit more sort of, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries a bit, if you will. You know, everything in aviation and space and drone law is about pushing legislation, um, getting what we want to see that will support commerce. Um, and that is, you know, saying things like, well, in Mississippi, we're not going to say anything about federal airspace, but if you're in Mississippi and you're not going into the FAA's airspace, and um, funnily enough, this is actually one of the biggest issues. And think about think about it this way. I want to step back and look at look in your backyard. And when you look at your backyard, maybe you have a fence, maybe you don't. Um, how much of it do you think you own vertically? You know, do you own six feet, twelve feet, twenty feet? What are your rights? There's no laws that say anything about that right now. And so so when your neighbor's drone goes zipping across, is it illegal at 40 feet? Is it illegal at 90 feet, 400 feet? We don't know. We have no laws about that yet. Maybe we don't need them. Maybe we do. But we need to really think about that. And just for the record, uh, the federal government owns everything over 500 feet up into space. And another interesting fact is we don't really have a line where space begins either. Um, but, you know, there's a, there was an old Roman law that um, uh, a, a property owner owned everything to the heavens and down to hell. Um, and we don't follow that in the United States or anywhere in the world anymore. Um, but, but there is a question. If, like, at what point is it okay for a drone not to look in your windows but to just fly over your backyard? At what level can that happen? Should it be able to happen? These are questions that the legislature has to deal with. And as and as, as I, I understand, they're considering a bill now. Um, but these are the questions that will definitely impact you, whether or not you use a drone yourself. What great information we've got today. You can email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center of Air and Space Law, about air and space law. But if you were thinking about operating a drone at the University of Mississippi, they have some rules. I'm going to tell you more next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Kevin Farrell. Today, MPB is doing something different, and we mean really different. It's a fundraising campaign, but it's only for one day and for one main reason, so that you can support what you love on MPB and let us wish Happy Valentine's Day to someone special on the air. Here's how it works. Make a contribution in any amount and tell us who you'd like to wish a Happy Valentine's Day to. We'll take care of it from there. If there's a person, a place, a pet, or a thing that you'd like to send Valentine's wishes to, all you got to do is let us know. 
You can see all of the messages on our webpage as well. Go to mpbonline.org slash radio if you need some inspiration. So call or text the word GIVE to 888-372-4483. Make a contribution online at mpbonline.org. We do have some dedications to read out. This one says, Please be my Valentine, Levi. I love you, Gene, from Amber. James sends love to each individual. Love, love, love my MPB shows. My favorites are The Gestalt Gardener, Creature Comforts, Southern Remedy, and Fix It 101. Thanks for all you do. That's from Lisa. Craig, you're just what I was seeking. I drafted you as a keeper 39 years ago. We go together like fish fingers and custard. From Liz. A shout-out on Valentine's Day to Angela Ferez, Executive Director of MPB Foundation, from her Board of Directors, with our love and appreciation for her great work. And I love MPB Gestalt Gardeners, my favorite radio show. That's from Jamie. So if you'd like to participate and join in with a special greeting on Valentine's Day to someone who's special in your life, go to mpbonline.org or give us a call at 888 888- Three seven two four four eight three. You can also text the word "give" to that number. So go ahead and and make that uh, Valentine's Day special for someone that's special in your life. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you subscribe to our podcast, or you could find MPB Think Radio recordings at mpbonline.org/radio. That's also where you can read these Valentine messages today. This morning, we're talking about drones and air and space law with our guest, Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center of Air and Space Law. If you are thinking about operating a drone at the University of Mississippi, you better have read their five-page policy concerning unmanned aircraft systems. So these are UA. S's, which are different from UAPs. Uh, UAS's are otherwise known as drones. I'll have their policy on the podcast information for this show. We've got a couple calls. Let's go to Mobile and speak with Mikey. Mikey, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, it's a pretty simple one. (laughs) Um, is it possible, is it already happening, that drones can be used for, I mean, if you've got a, a you know, multi-story or a house on piers, um, is it possible to have a guard dog drone? Michelle? So, Mikey, yeah, Mikey, absolutely. And uh, it's a little frightening, isn't it? Especially when you think about how, um, you know, our, our previous caller, Dave, talked about autonomous flight. Um, there, uh, I don't know if you've seen, there are robotic dogs that act as guard dogs, um, and you can easily see how a drone um, in a, in a multi-story uh, dwelling could also be um, used to look out for things and raise the alarm if something is seen. So the drones have actually been used as a uh, as force extender for the police in certain situations, um, and that, of course, raises all sorts of questions about the Fourth Amendment um, and what what do drones have a right to do when they're operated by the government um, to to interdict criminals or to look 
look for criminal activity. So we get very minority report kind of um, issues with respect to drones. And that's why it's it's really, really important for the public to keep their eye out and be able to say, you know, what you think. You know, Mikey, do you want to be able to have a drone uh, security guard or would that feel like uh, a little too invasive for you? Um, these are questions that are unsettled, but I guarantee that there are people already that will, will scan the perimeter of their of their yards with the drone before they go to bed at night. That's very interesting. Thanks, Mikey, for, for bringing that up. Thank That's you. something I hadn't even uh, ever thought about. Let's, Thank you. Let's go to Craig in Biloxi now. Craig, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. We've got Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center for Air and Space Law, as our guest. Okay, uh, during World War II, they used uh, spy balloons on a tether, and uh, also the uh, spy balloon they just shot down over, uh, what is it, North Carolina, I believe. Uh, Could you discuss that a little bit? What an awesome opening. I've been dying to talk about these uh, uh, these balloons that have been flying all over the place. Yes, balloons have been used since, the, since they first were uh, developed uh, in France in the 1800s. Um, they've been used to spy and also to drop bombs and, you know, flaming bricks and uh, sticks on the enemy. So having balloons sort of used as a surveillance tool is nothing new. It's as old as we've been able to figure out how to put hot air into paper. Um, the, the, it's also not new to, uh, to use these modern, dr- these modern balloon platforms for surveillance and for weather. That's much more, of course, when the Chinese uh, first were caught um, with their balloon over United States airspace, um, they in- insisted that it was a civilian balloon just up there to check the weather and look for weather patterns. And we, that is a very legit legitimate use of these balloons. We send them up to figure out the air currents to help us figure out if we're going to, you know, get that thunderstorm or those tornadoes. Um, what's really interesting about the uh, this this uh, balloon, which I believe was shot down in U.S. territorial waters off of South Carolina, um, is that, uh, you know, the Chinese have satellites in space where it's totally legal because uh, nobody can own anything in space. And so when I was talking about when you look in your backyard, how far do you own when you look up? Um, the, uh, the concept of sovereign airspace only goes to space. Once you get to space, there are no boundaries. You can, you can put whatever you want up there and you can look down at whoever you want. So the Chinese have the capability of looking at whatever they want in the United States at any time from space. And yet, why did they use this balloon? So it's a really interesting question. Um, I also love this sort of tit for tat, because now apparently uh, the United States has been sending balloons to China for years, you know? Um, and so what, what, what is really fascinating to me about this whole thing is that um, it is playing out in the public eye and it's, and it's on Twitter, you know, we're doing diplomacy by tweet um, now and just talking about what it is is there, I, I also think, you know, there, there has been speculation that it was, it was literally a trial balloon to see if, to see what the public reaction would be to this kind of an incident, um, to pave the way to see what might China do elsewhere. So, uh, you know, in uh, November 2021, um, Russia shot down a, a satellite, one of its own satellites, perfectly legal operation, um, but it, it showed the world it had the capability 
to shoot down a satellite. And that was a very symbolic moment. Um, why did they do it then? The world already knew they could do it. Why did they have to show us? Um, speculation is because they were paving the way to say, hey, we're powerful. And when we, in, when we invade the Ukraine, you better watch out because this is what we're going to do. This is what the capability we have. And so there's speculation that that's what China's doing. Let's see what happens if we float a balloon over. Um, what, what, will, what will happen then perhaps if we invade Taiwan? Um, of course, that is complete speculation. Um, and I have a lot more fun talking about this just from the aspect of, wow, it's a balloon. And all of the memes on the, um, on the Internet have been phenomenal. Um, and I also love the crossover uh, with these additional balloons coming. And, and you know, um, actually, Liz, they're not, they're not unidentified aerial objects anymore. They are unidentified anomalous phenomena is the new term. So apparently, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are being all embracive in our concept of these things that are appearing in our airspace. Um, but it, you know what, in a way it's, it's uniting the country in, in this sort of, you know, wonder of these phenomena that we don't know what they are. And it's very curious and I'm very optimistic about them because um, so far they haven't done any damage. Well, I- Let's hope. It was a great, you know, great call, great discussion about about balloons, which gets us to, you know, we were talking about drones. What about, you know, so foreign balloons, foreign drones, are they they treated the same way? I mean, could we just shoot them down if they're on our over our territory? Absolutely. So that is in the there's something called the Chicago Convention uh, that was signed after uh, in the 1940s, um, which says which just sets out in stone. Every nation agrees. Um, nations own the airspace. They have sovereign rights over the airspace over their country. And so you cannot enter the airspace of another country without their permission. Settled law. And so to the point that when, uh, for those of you who are as old as me, remember Flight 007, Korean Airlines flew over, accidentally flew over uh, Russia, and Russia shot it down. And we lost all of the uh, humans on that commercial aircraft. Uh, it was an incredibly tragic incident, but it was not, not a violation of international law because that that aircraft had crossed into uh, Russian airspace without telling Russia who it was, what it was doing. Um, of course, you know, at the time, the Russians thought it was a U.S. biplane. So tragic, tragic, but fundamentally um, cements the fact that uh, no matter what, civilian, uh, military, uh, you have got to have permission to get into somebody else's airspace, period. We have a few minutes left for email questions, legal terms at mpbonline.org. We're learning about drone laws and space laws. If you are thinking about operating a drone anywhere in Mississippi, besides Ole Miss, I'll tell you where you can get some guidance. That's next This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here. If you think today sounds a little bit different on MPB, you're right. We're inviting you to celebrate Valentine's Day by showing your support for the love of MPB, while also letting us say Happy Valentine's Day to a loved one on the air. It all starts with a phone call or an online gift, and this would be a great opportunity to become an MPB sustainer at $5, $10, or $20 a month. So what you do is you make a contribution in any amount and let us know who you want to give a shout out to on the air. And we'll wish that person a happy Valentine's Day from you. It can be a spouse, a partner, a pet, mom, dad, the kids. You decide. 
So please give what you think is fair, then give us a call at 1-888-372-4483. You can take just a couple of minutes and do this on our webpage, mpbonline.org. So we do have a number of uh, dedications. We'll start again. uh, Happy Valentine's Day to Pap, Emily, Nate, Norman, Paul, Puff, and Rocket Ship from Libby. Please be my Valentine, Levi. I love you, Jean, from Amber. To my Bonnie Kate, life with you keeps getting better and better. Love you from Davis. To my fiancé, Aaron, and my fluffy friend, Mama, happy Valentine's Day. I love you both very much from Jamie. I love you all, my friends, family, and neighbors, but most especially Chris Neal, Chaney Neal, and Masters Neal. You make my world whole. I love you to the moon and back forever and a day. That's from Anna. And Craig, you're just what I was seeking. I drafted you as a keeper 39 years ago. We go together like fish fingers and custard from Liz. Love, love, love my MPB shows. My favorites are the Gestalt Gardener, Creature Comforts, Southern Remedy, and Fix It 101. Thanks for all you do. That comes from Lisa. And again, it's an opportunity for you to add your special message to the ones that we're reading on the air. Make a contribution in the amount that you think is fair at mpbonline.org or by calling 888-372-4483. When you make your contribution, add that special message that you'd like for us to share with all the MPB listeners and, of course, that special person in your life. And remember, if uh, you miss it being on the air, all of the messages will scroll throughout the day at mpbonline.org slash radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, at 11 o'clock a.m. Central on Tuesdays, Following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So I mentioned that the University of Mississippi has a written policy for unmanned aircraft systems or drones. At the end of their written policy, they have added some helpful links to FAA regulations. So for help learning what's legal and allowable, check out their policy, even if you are not in Oxford. We're talking with Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center for Air and Space Law, who we have welcomed onto the show a few times. I'll have a list of those dates on our page for this show so that you can go back and listen to some of our past podcasts. Yes, and it's, and it's always fascinating. And now we really have this this timely thing happening in our our, our upper, not in space really, but in, in you know the near space with uh, UAPs, and uh, we've gotten reports from the government that they're they're actually there. Uh, and they used to call them UFOs, but now we have switched to UAPs. But well, and I think it's what? very uh, wise of them to change it from UFOs. UFOs is very. E.T., Star Trek, Star Wars, and I think with the change in designation, they're hoping military pilots or individuals in authority won't be as reluctant to report an unidentified object. I think you're right. So it's been a it's been a good change. But uh, so what legal jurisdiction do they fall under? Well, since we don't know what they are, I can't, I, that's a trick question, right, Richard? Yeah, we don't know what they are. How are we going to know what they fall under? Uh, you know, what's really fascinating, though, is um, I don't, if you recall in 2014, we had the, the TikTok 
UFO that um, that was showing up off of one of our aircraft carriers. And we sent uh, the United States sent uh, four or five uh, pilots to go get a closer look at it. And uh, it did things that were physically uh, or were impossible under our understanding of the laws of physics. And and that sort of has been, you know, brought the concept of UFOs um, again. Um, and, and Liz is totally right. You know, when we think about like the Twilight Zone in the 50s and 60s or War of the Worlds, we think of saucers or, or um, the, the Martian on the Bugs Bunny, right? The, uh, the that little Martian guy. Um, but the that really sort of uh, sparked, I think, a, a, a more study into this. And in 2021, um, the uh, NASA announced that they were going to form a committee um, that's going to look at these UAPs and try to gather information about them. Um, they named, uh, just in November, they named uh, 16 members of that committee. They include uh, industry advocates. So um, they include, for example, uh, executives from Maxar, which is a company that does remote sensing. Right. So using satellites to see what's going on or other. That's very important. If we can capture these UAPs from a satellite camera, we might get a better understanding of what they're doing and what they are. But this um, this committee is not not its remit isn't to figure out what they are. It's to gather information. Um, We're really in the stage of, wow, you know, this is the time if you've seen a UAP, if you've got one um, on on camera, send it to NASA because we're trying to gather all that information, get an understanding of what they are, what they're doing, what's going on. And it's really, really important um, because they are in our airspace. And you know what? If if it's an alien um, and it hasn't done anything bad to us yet, we probably shouldn't shoot them down or do something bad to them. Um, if it's uh, if it's a uh, foreign country, um, then we ought to probably shoot them down and protect our sovereign airspace or, you know, at least talk to that country and say, you know, maybe you should be in our airspace. Um, but it's going to affect, you know, we've been really lucky so far because uh, these are largely over the Great Lakes or, you know, in, in areas that are not uh, very populated. But uh there's going to come a time when they interfere with a commercial aircraft and then that's going to cause again, tragic damage um, and tragic loss of life. If for example, an aircraft were blinded or otherwise uh, disturbed by, by these UAPs. And so I just, um, in December, a United aircraft flying to Hawaii actually ended up in a very steep dive um, and just seconds from hitting the water. And of course, it, it was due to weather and so forth. But if you think about the weather doing that, and these are very capable pilots, um, think about what it, what in a UAP could possibly do in terms of getting getting uh, putting somebody in their tailwind or something like that. So. Um, um, you know, all the people who want to just sort of poo-poo them and UFOs and get to Area 51 and, you know, uh, don't because they're there um, and they are a national security risk and they are a, a, a risk or a cause can cause damage to aircraft in our in our airspace. And you mentioned, you know, if so let's say they were extraterrestrial beings, um, you know, and uh, and we shot down one of those vehicles what's what's the protocol in that situation i mean first of all i i would hope that with with capabilities that they seem to have and they haven't been doing any harm to us that we know of that we don't uh 
we don't incite them to do harm. But what, what I mean, are there any, do, are there anybody thinking about the protocols in place for those, that particular incident? So, um, you know, Richard, we actually have a United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs um, and the directorate uh, and under the protocols that created by the United Nations, um, when the, when the uh, alien says, take me to your leader, you don't take them to our president, you take them to the director of the Office of Outer Space Affairs. Now, how many people know that protocol? How many people will follow that protocol? Probably not many. Um, you know, I think, you know, very, very seriously, very realistically, um, if we do uh, end up having to or uh, shoot down one of these, and if it does have crew, that is a huge national security issue. Um, and, and I don't mean it in that, you know, this is evil, this is, but, you know, we will have to understand. And so um, I would think, and I, and I don't know, I will be very honest uh, with the listeners. I, I don't know if there is a military protocol. Um, I would think that there is um, to deal with, you know, it would be like uh, dealing with anybody who crossed our border um, with, with unknown intent. Um, and so uh, hopefully they would be treated, especially as you point out, because they have done anything bad to us, um, treated with respect and care, um, and, but utmost care. Um, you know, the other thing we don't want is we don't want another COVID. Um, if there is an alien in there, what are they carrying with them? You know, maybe whatever they uh, need to survive is something that's going to cause tremendous damage to our, our earth. So, um, you know, kid gloves is, is my hope is, is what the protocol is. Well, we have one minute left. So uh, tell us, uh, Professor Hanlon, who would be a good candidate for the certificate program for non-lawyers at the center? Everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody. This is an incredible program. Um, if you have any interest at all in in using it, buying a drone or or any interest at all in, in what we how much we use from space, um, or thinking about, you know, how can you, uh, you know, get on the space bandwagon? Because let me let me remind you, space is not for billionaires. Even though Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are the ones in the news, they are not the only ones in space. And it's not just, yeah, you know, I can't pay $55 million to get a trip to the space station, but I can do a lot to uh, support commercial industry in space to get companies in Mississippi helping with things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, creating spacesuits, food, we're going to need different kinds of food in space. So if you have any interest in, in that, whether it's just because, hey, I would love to learn about space law or, wow, I think my business can do something with space, then you ought to be in our program. Fantastic. That's it. Thanks for being on our show today, Professor Michelle Hanlon, co-director for the Center of Air and Space Law. This has been In Legal Terms with our team, Jay White, uh, Java Chapman, podcast producer Jermaine Flood, for Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.